It's that time again. Time to start thinking taxes. But this tax smart move for 2023 could make it less painful. Open and fund a Fidelity IRA before the tax deadline. You could reduce your taxable income in a traditional IRA or get tax-free withdrawals in retirement with a Roth IRA. Plus, there are no account fees or minimums to open an account. Get started at fidelity.com slash IRA. No account fees or minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Episode 162 of the Rise and Shine podcast, and I am so excited to have Jessica Mendoza, ESPN baseball analyst, on the pod this week. I've wanted to interview her on the pod for a long time. I, in doing research for the interview with Jess, I knew she was a great, terrific college softball player. I had no idea. She was first-team All-American, not a four-year starter, not All-Pac-10 as it was back then, not All-Conference, first-team All-American softball player when she was playing at Stanford. Wait until you hear what she originally wanted to do for a living, and what her major was as a freshman. Wait until you hear what famous media personality shaped her entire collegiate career. Wait until you hear what she thinks of Shohei Otani when it comes to the future, what batters she loves breaking down. And listen, I say batters she loves breaking down. I think she is great when she does games and she's an analyst, whether it's for the Dodgers or whether it's for ESPN. But Jess Mendoza in the studio is something special. Breaking down hitters, breaking down everything, and giving her takes and her analysis. But when she breaks down a batter on film, I mean, it's mesmerizing. And when she does get up or first take, I mean, she knows how to give an opinion. I've had her on the radio show on Channel on Sports, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, a bunch of times. And she is terrific. But this is a great interview on her career, her path, her story, why I think she is the absolute best studio analyst when it comes to baseball and the business. I mean, I look at baseball studio analysts and you have Jess Mendoza. And you have Bill Ripken, and you have Pedro Martinez, and they are the elites in-studio broadcasters. All very different, I might add, but when it comes to the best of the best, I think Jess is absolutely, positively number one on that list. I always learn something. And Bob Stu, I I love the interview that we did with Jess Mendoza, and I know the audience is going to groove on it as well. I'll tell you. This past weekend was my birthday, and I turned 46 years old. And I don't know about you, and you're a little bit younger, but I feel like there are certain numbers and certain ages. When you hit them, you get really reflective. You know, when I turned 21, when I turned 
29, not 30. It was, oh, my God, I'm that close to 30. When I turned 40, that was a signature one for me. 45 didn't hit me in any possible way. 46 absolutely hit me. I don't know if it's because all three kids are going to sleepaway camp. I don't know if it's because I looked and I said, hey, I haven't been to the doctor since before COVID. I should probably make a doctor's appointment. I I don't know what it was. I was like, (laughs) holy cow. I am 46 years old on the other side of 45, that much closer to 50. You know, we had Maya's bat mitzvah. Theo is going to sleepaway camp, as I mentioned. Jolie, I mean, she's, you know, finishing up her finals and regents and just finished her freshman year of high school. I mean, I talk college all the time with her. I mean, I I don't know if there were certain birthdays for you that just made you stop and think and say, holy cow, I'm blank years old. But for me, it was 21, 29, 40, and 46. And I, I had a great birthday weekend, right? You know, and it's, it's that rare unicorn for me where, you know, oftentimes my birthday is during the week and like everyone else and you go to work and it's a regular day and you come home and you have cake and that's, that's how it goes. But, you know, I, some years it's during Father's Day and it's the exact same day, which is always fun. This year it was the Saturday birthday, Sunday Father's Day, so a weekend of friends and family and, you know, Maya soccer, driving to Armong, but... I don't the 46. I found myself very reflective here on how lucky I am, how great it is to have health and family. And also, holy cow, I'm just that four years away here from turning 50. Yeah, I, I, you don't look 46, though, Adam. Like, you just don't. Like, I don't see you as a man getting close to 50. So I think that should definitely help you and help your case. Right? All right, I feel better already, Bob. I feel better already. Yeah, like, I mean, if you look in the mirror, if, if I looked at you 10 years ago and looked at you now, you look pretty much the same. So I think you're doing just fine. Like, I, I don't think you have anything to worry about. With me, if I looked at myself 10 years ago and looked at myself today, I'd say, oh, my God, what the hell happened to me? <laughs> like, a <laughs> lot has changed. True. A lot has changed, Adam. A lot has changed. But, yeah, for me, it was always 21. Once I hit that, I kind of just stopped keeping track because I feel like once you hit 21, everybody's older than 21 and – Everyone's kind of in that in that category of they're in between 20 and 30, in between 30 and 40. And, you know, I, you don't really look at age as much after that. Like, that was always the big one to count down to it. Like, I'm almost 35 now, and I always said that I will start to feel old when everybody in sports has retired that is younger than I am, right? Mm, like, that is older than fair. me, right? Yeah, so, like, having Tom Brady around always made me feel good because it's, oh, if he's, he's out there and still doing this, there's still hope for me. I should still be in good shape, right? I mean, you know, Julio Franco played till he was 48 years old, right? So, at least there's still some hope. I still got at least another 13, 14 years before I feel extremely old. And at least with athletes playing older and older, I do feel better about myself seeing a guy go out there who's, like, 43 years old and like, look at LeBron, right? He's 38 years old. He's just dominating, doing slam dunks left and right. It looks unbelievable. So I still don't feel, like, too bad about how old I am now. But, yeah, when I get into my 40s, too, I'm going to start to be more reflective. But I mean, you that, know that's a big one. You know what's interesting, and, and you hit on something. And, look, I over the last three years, I, I've lost weight. I'm running three, four miles, you know, five, six days a week. 
you know, I'll get, you know, as I'm, you know, in my 40s, the lower back, right? You know, it starts oh. to hurt a little bit. And my whole body hurts, Adam. Yeah, Everything. my feet my knee hurt. hurt. Oh, yeah. But, Bob, you know what hit me earlier this year? And don't laugh, but you referenced it. Brady retired. Tom yeah. Brady and I are the same age. Yeah. And, and as long as Brady was playing like, all right, we, we, we got this. We're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brady retired. And here I turned 46. I'm like, holy cow. Tom's calling it a day. What the hell's going on here? Oh, I couldn't agree more, Adam. As soon as Tom retired, I, I still I felt bad. That was kind of that thing, too, because I hated Tom Brady growing up. I hated him. Die-hard Jets fan, loved the Jets. Literally just ripped my heart out left and right. But as I got older, I appreciated Tom Brady. I said, look at this guy still go out there. He starts every single game. He never gets injured. And here, I, I'm getting injured walking to the bathroom, getting out of bed. I mean, it's just unbelievable watching him play football every year. So I was very depressed when Tom was sitting on the beach retiring for more saying. reasons than one. You guys are going to absolutely love this interview with Jess Mendoza. She is the best in the business, and her path and her story is absolutely incredible. Jess Mendoza, featured guest on the Rise and Shine podcast. Thanks for joining us next. all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. 
NFL fans. Right now on the SXM app, hear in-depth coverage of your team with the Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. It's all the analysis, all the breakdowns that matter to you. Hosted by the players who played for your team and the fans who eat, sleep, and breathe it. 32 diehard fan bases, 32 podcasts. The Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. B-L-E-A-B. Search Believe in, followed by your team on the SXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Rise and Shine podcast, ESPN superstar. I have her on the radio show all the time. I'm excited to chop it up with her on the podcast this week. Jess Mendoza, who's nice enough to join us here on the Rise and Shine podcast. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great. I mean, coming off of college softball World Series last week and now just jumping right in with the Dodgers this week and it's it's that time of year for me at least where it's just absolutely nuts like this in October um and it's it's all the things I mean I got both boys doing little league all-stars like <laughs> just balancing everything um but it's it's been fun oh, I love that and that's actually a perfect segue into some of the topics I want to touch on with you today and you know let's start with the college world series because I just think it's it's so amazing as a sport as a sporting event you know we have three kids and my middle is obsessed with softball she's a terrific player loves playing and loves watching the college world series I was having this conversation on air and also with friends I mean if you want to talk about the ultimate to me for pitching defense and timely hitting the College World Series for women's softball is just absolutely must-see TV, and I just love that my daughter is so into it. How would you describe the genius, if you will, on what makes the College World Series so great? I think the pure emotions that you see, uh, and you get that with championships, but I think you know with professional sports, because whether it's the length or the fact that you don't see the same player for very long and they switch over and become such a business like watching college softball. It's, it is the pinnacle. Um, there is professional softball. We obviously saw, saw softball in the Olympics, this last Olympics, but it won't be in the next one. Um, but it's not, it's not the same. It hasn't gotten to the point where we've seen so many other women's sports and men's sports. So college softball, I mean, anyone who's been around it, the game of softball is amazing. <laughs> and so the fact that you it's can incredible. see it, in this way, and I do wish our, you know, Athletes Unlimited, which is our professional sport that, that just started actually after the Women's College World Series, if that got the same attention, you would see some of the same of what you see in the Women's College World Series. But ESPN has put in this 30 years now of, you know, televising the Women's College World Series, and it's it's just grown exponentially. The stadium, the fans, the support. I love coming into major league baseball and seeing every like every guy but they're like oh did you see Oklahoma and that catch by Jada Coleman like the fact that they've got it on in the clubhouse is so cool yeah it it is ridiculously cool and I'm not surprised it's on in the clubhouse because it's absolutely tremendous now you referenced the Olympics what was that like for you when you were playing for Team USA what was that experience like for you oh man well what's interesting is you train and train like we lived together for a year at the Olympic training center. And so your, your life is dedicated to these, you know, 10 days um, from a sports standpoint. I think what caught me off guard 
because of the rabbit hole you live in and the mana training, the tour that we did all over the country before going to Athens, which was my first Olympics, is I didn't realize the power of having USA across your chest. Mm. And when I, it really hit me was actually, you know, we get there and you have the Olympic Village that you live in, but you all share this giant dining hall. I mean, there's 10,000 athletes. There's more countries repre- represented there than the United Nations. And so the fact that, and you know, I have a, come from a big Hispanic family, like breaking bread and having a meal is, is what you do to just like, there's nothing like it as far as sharing with, with people you've never met. So I would, as much as I love my team, I'd go sit with athletes from all over the world. And if you remember 2004, it was right after we declared war with Iraq, I would sit down with the Iraqi soccer team. I brought over an Egyptian high jumper to help me translate. Like, I mean, being able to travel the world through meals made me appreciate what was across my own chest um, and understanding the beauty of athletes and everything that the Olympics brings like no other event. Um, But also the pride that I have for being a female growing up in a country that gave me the opportunity through title nine to get a college scholarship, to get an opportunity to play sports and live out my dream. That's such an amazing way to phrase it and, and great anecdotes on, on what that experience was like for you and the dining halls title nine. How important was that to you in your career, you and your life, you and your ability to play softball? Yeah, I think what's so interesting about Title IX is that, you know, it's an educational amendment. And, you know, it was it was first just meant for equality and, and education. And Senator Birch Bayh and Billie Jean King, and when they were kind of going over this, they, they decided to add one word, sport, mm. last minute. And that is what has defined this amendment for now 51 years, this piece of legislation. And it has changed the entire complexity of what women's sports. And for me, it's about before my time. I mean, to be honest, I didn't know a ton about Title IX until I got to high school because there was more equality and opportunities. Now, I think the thing that Title IX was first initiated for was participation and opportunity. So getting more girls a chance to be able to just play sports, right? You hear the stories of the 1970s and 60s, you know, our moms or grandmas or whoever that were like, yeah, we had a stretching class or maybe cheerleading. And that was it as far as sports in public schools. That's completely changed. Participation has changed. So I think now we shift from participation to compensation. And and what I mean by that is just now putting in the dollars to the facilities and to making sure that women's sports are just there to, to, yay, come play. But now can we provide the same opportunities in facilities? And we saw this with the, the women's final four, two years ago, um, gym access, and like yeah. things that the boys are getting. Um, so the compensation, I don't mean paying them necessarily, but actually just being able to make them feel like they are equal and not just, Hey, we're glad you're here. I love that from the shift from participation to compensation now, I remember the first time I had you on the radio, I, I did a dive into your playing career. And right before you joined us here for this interview, I just wanted to jog my mental Rolodex and make sure I had this right. At Stanford, four-time first-team All-American. For four times you were a first-team All-American, so no one can appreciate more. I like the expression in sports. I use it all the time on a heater, in a zone, rarefied air. 
Jess, what was that like playing in college for that program, for that school, which is unbelievable, and to play the way you did at such a consistently dominant level for such a long period of time? Adam, I mean, full disclosure, it was hard. Yeah. <laughs> my, my freshman year, I was a hot mess. Like you look back and yeah, we can, you know, like the numbers and, you know, but oh my gosh, I was failing all my classes freshman year. I was seven, I was oh, a 17 wow. year old freshman. So I was young wow. and I was in over my head. I, I just trying to balance time and weights and, you know, conditioning and things that I'd never experienced before, especially the jump from high school sports then. Cause you know, back in high school, even travel ball, you didn't, you weren't lifting weights. You weren't conditioning. You didn't have trainers. You didn't, you know, you went out and played. So when I got to college and, you know, you have morning weights, you have conditioning, you have practices, you have all of these classes where I literally had him carried around a thesaurus with me because I was like, what language are they speaking? It was like all these huge words. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what they're saying. I was like, I need to translate. <laughs> so I would carry I had this little mini pocketbook thesaurus that I would use to just try wow. to understand my teammates, my classmates. And I felt out of place, to be honest. And I had a great teammate. You might know her, Ramona Shelburne. She now yeah. works for ESPN, covers the NBA. So she was a year above me I'm from the same area. I'd known her since high school. And I remember being in tears one night, like, Ramona, like, girl, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work. And she's like, stop trying to be them. She's like, you're smart. Like, you got it. You have to get in as a student before you can even get a scholarship. You have to apply as a student. And it's one of the few schools in the country that that's the case. You don't get in as an athlete. You have to get in as a student. So she's like, you got in for a reason. The, the admittance department said yes. And yeah, you don't have these huge words and you don't, you know, speak with this like authority and whatever, but she's like, you, you know, your stuff. So just own you and stop trying to be them. And it changed everything for me. I literally like for her to say, you're smart, you got this. I, I was able to kind of just not think of what I needed to be, but actually stay within my own self, stand out in my own way. And it changed. Oh, man. It, after getting through kind of that barely stumbling through freshman year, then it was it was off to the races. And um, I loved it because I'm so proud of that degree. <laughs> I'm so proud of it because it wasn't easy. There were no athlete classes. I was thrown in there and I learned so much. And I love that. I also learned to take on challenges, do hard things because at the end of it, oh my gosh, is the payoff awesome. So that degree means so much to me because of how hard it was to get it. <laughs> yeah, you gave me the chills during that anecdote. That's that's pretty amazing. That's that's pretty special. And I'm curious, as you know, you're carrying around a, a thesaurus, literally, and you're dominant in become dominant in the classroom, dominant on the diamond. When did you realize a career in broadcasting, using your words, being a wordsmith, being so brilliant in communicating the sport? When just did that become on the radar for you? It's interesting because I, I stayed at Stanford, got my master's degree uh, while I was training for the Olympics. and was really passionate about getting into politics. Ironically, went to Stanford to be an orthopedic surgeon. So this is like my message. Wow. <laughs> People is like, you never know. You really have no clue. Or at least I didn't. So I went to Stanford to be an orthopedic surgeon. Talked about how much of I was a hot mess. Backed off of that major. Ended up majoring um, basically political science, American studies. Stayed, got my master's so that I work on such... Uh, uh, educational reform, had an internship in DC, 
And I, I, first of all, didn't think I was going to make the Olympic team. So I had a job lined up through the National Education Association in Washington, D.C. That was kind of my plan. And then it, you know, I made the Olympic team and just kept pushing off this job. And it wasn't until I was getting interviewed, I think between Olympics and like a World Cup for ESPN. And they approached me and just were like, we loved your interview. Would you ever think about doing college softball? And this was at the boom of going from probably 10 games that ESPN was covering to like 200. And so they were looking for people. And I kind of laughed, to be honest. Like I was like, okay, like <laughs> me, microphone, no filter. Like I'd be fired first day. Like who knows what come out of my mouth. Um, I'm, I'm such a nerd too. So my whole thing is like, I didn't major in this. I know nothing about journalism, communications. Like that wasn't my major. Um, you know, this isn't for me. And thank God I had some awesome people around me that were like, just, just go try it. So like, so you're awful or who knows, but if like you at least put yourself out there and you think you're bad and then you find out you are like, is it really that bad? But think of the upside. Um, so I ended up saying yes. And I went and auditioned and I was back by I think 2006, um, and ended up being the lead analyst for college softball. And I knew when I sat down in the audition and we started to do this like fake game with Beth Bowens. She flew oh, in that's the awesome. So Beth did your audition. That's great. She did. Yeah. I'd never had met her before. Um, didn't know actually much about her because I just beyond the fact that she had done softball, but now she's, I mean, one of my favorite humans in the whole world, but sat down next to her and started talking softball. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. And immediately, like, it just took me into these athletes and just like, kind of like when we're all kicking on the couch, right? And you're watching a game and you're like, oh, did you see your back foot? Or, you know, these things that you get excited about or you want to point out. Um, you know, growing up with my dad as a coach, that's all we ever did. We just watched film all the time and it just felt natural. And that was that was softball. It led to college football and ultimately college baseball and then major league baseball. Which is just amazing. And and you really have become a, a true star and in major league baseball for the broadcast on ESPN. Now, of course, you're still doing obviously the softball and the college world series. Just making that transition going from softball to baseball and going into quote unquote a man's world with major league baseball. Was that challenging? Was that difficult? Were there obstacles that that were in your way? Or for you, as I'm listening to your story and, you know, heck, I mean, the orthopedic surgeon story and I'm thinking you were going to do that, were you just able to slay whatever was in front of you and deal with the obstacles? Adam, what was interesting is um, I kind of snuck in the side door originally. So when I first started doing college baseball, I was in Omaha and Kyle Peterson, who is our big analyst for them, he had he was actually the sideline analyst before. So they had Oral Hershiser and Nomar Garcia, you know, all these big names in the booth. And so they used Kyle on the sideline. But instead of a traditional reporter, as an ex-player, they used him to break down stuff. So my first year was Kyle's first year getting moved to the booth. And I was, I went and watched film from years before. And I was like, Hey guys, like I get, I could be a reporter, but like, is there any way that I could actually just have a monitor down in the dugout and maybe break down some stuff? Oh, Especially because awesome. we had oral, we had oral and KP in the booth, you know, pitchers, they're just like pitching, pitching, pitching. And I'm like, come on guys. Like this is a freaking college baseball. Like they rake. <laughs> like, let me go. Let, let me break this down. And I had awesome producers that were like, yeah, because they had been so familiar with KP doing that in the past that 
they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so instead of being like a reporter, even though that was what I was hired to be in a very traditional female role, I kind of switched that and made it my own. And I'm grateful for the producers I worked with. They're like, heck yeah, let's do this. And then ultimately what happened is I was doing so much of that. They were like, let's, let's actually put you in the booth. And for me, Adam, I didn't think it was a big deal because in my mind, I'm like, this is what I've been doing. Yeah. It just for, it was the public. It was people and perception and seeing me on the field do that. Oh yeah. Women are always down on the field with a handheld mic and, but to move a hundred yards and put on a headset just blew people's minds and I think for me, because I wasn't hired to just go in the booth, I was hired to be on the sideline originally, but my job was always an analyst. I felt like it wasn't anything different. It was just the reaction, especially as it got bigger. When I did Jake Arietta's No Hitter as my first Sunday Night Baseball game and everyone was watching because of oh, Jake. Oh, yeah. I remember it. And they they heard me. I mean, people were just like, what, like a woman like doing baseball? Like just, it's awesome. I had news crews out in front of my house the next day like it was crazy and for me it wasn't like I was doing anything different than I had been doing listen I think that for a lot of people you know for my daughters it was ridiculously amazing and awesome to watch and you know it just you know when you look at the ability to do anything and and put your mind to it and put the work in I I think there's there's a lot there Jess I'm curious if you prefer the studio or the booth because you're you're tremendous in the booth and your ability to analyze and react. But I do have to tell you, this is just my opinion. I hope you take this as as a compliment. I mean, it is. I, I think you're the best in the business when it comes to baseball in studio. And and when it when it, for ESPN, whether it's you know you doing baseball in studio or Tim Legler or JJ Redick breaking it down or Dan Orlovsky, my guy, we had a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. You know, when you have the ability to have the time and break something down, I always learn something. You're great on the opinionated shows, whether it's first take or get up. Do you have a preference, the studio versus games? Because you're great doing the games, and I know you love the action and being there, but in studio, I genuinely think you are the best baseball analyst right now in the business. Well, thank you. I honestly, like, it's it's interesting that you picked up on that because studio is, like, where I feel like I can be me. <laughs> like, yeah. I can expand, um, you know, I, especially on shows like Get Up um, compared to SportsCenter, right? And you know this because you watch enough to where you understand um, how different those shows are. So, you know, SportsCenter, you're kind of given a couple topics. You've got maybe a couple minutes and it's a lot more of a, you know, just very, you know, you, you know what you're going to get. Get Up, it could be all over the place. And the way that Greeny allows, like, he, he'll allow, I'll bring a bat. I could jump up. I could go, like, run over here in the studio. We can go completely off topic. Um, it, it's, it's so much fun to be honest and baseball's fun. Yeah. And I feel like traditionally when you're doing games, you know, it's, and here's the three, two and ground out to the, you know, and of course there's a game going on. I get it. But like, we have to talk about what people see versus kind of give them like why they should be watching it and how cool this moment is and those kind of things, which do happen in a game. Um, I'm with you. I, I need the games just to be on site, to be honest. I love like being working for the Dodgers right now and being with Mookie Betts yesterday and even honestly Pedro Graffol and the White Sox and getting that kind of information. 
I'm trying to work on a feature right now, uh, getting down into the bowels of Dodger Stadium and all their technologies with their hitters and what they're working on, these cool machines. Um, you know, that kind of stuff you only get when you're on site and doing games. But I, it's cool that you picked up on this because when I'm in studio, I feel like I'm, I'm like five years old, just jumping up on my, my box, <laughs> awesome. talking as much as possible. Yeah, that's why I love having you on the radio show and now the podcast, because when we talk baseball, there's something so there, it's special. It comes from a great place in terms of how you analyze, how you watch, how you break it down, and, and your opinions are just awesome. Now, let's talk a little baseball quickly, and maybe let's go back to that thesaurus that you had when you were roaming the halls of, of Stanford as a freshman. <laughs> I, I need a word. How do you describe what we're all witnessing with Shohei Otani? Oh man. Right. That, um, gosh, there it's is insane, no Jess. It's, it's the thing is, is it's like, it doesn't like how many times have we said this is the first time ever, or we've never seen anything in the sport like this. I mean, just the other night for a left-handed hitter, what was it? 468 or whatever the heck he hit opposite field home run. I mean, he's so, awesome like he's so great and what i love about it is he just keeps getting better yeah he figures out ways to just wow us all and please let's get him out of anaheim <laughs> that's like if i could find the one statement right now it's i want more people to see because us that are watching we see it but there's a lot of people that are missing it still and you know i i'm from southern california it's, i have nothing against the angels it's just the fact that i want the world to really understand and know what shohei otani is doing and uh there's many of us that do but there's still not enough and i think if you're just a fan of amazing he needs to be seen listen i i always say on the show i want the sports gods to pay attention i need otani and i need shroud in the playoffs i root for the angels i'm not an angel fan per se but I want the Angels in the playoffs more than anything else because it's extra special. So if it's not the Angels, what are the perfect fits down the road when he's a free agent as you see it for Shohei Otani? Well, I'm going to say L.A. across the way and the Dodgers, absolutely. Um, that's, you know, that's also the rumor of why the Dodgers didn't go out and spend a ton, you know, this offseason. Makes sense. Being around them, it, you know, and Shohei has talked about how much he has enjoyed Southern California. He also wants to play on a team that contends. Lord knows the Dodgers could use some pitching, uh, but, like, <laughs> um, Shohei's a, a totally different beast. Um, you know, but I, I think just being able to see him, I'm, I'm totally biased in this, and I'll admit it, but I want to see him on the West Coast. I think the assumption is somewhere in New York, Mets or Yankees, um, I think, you know, I can't complain when I'm saying get, get him out of Anaheim. Like, I'm happy with any big marketplace. But if I had my pick, you know, whether it's in L.A., whether it's in San Francisco, you know, there's rumors about Seattle because of Ichiro and the presence and the influence that he had with Shohei and obviously that pipeline from Japan. I know that's not a bigger market necessarily, but I think he would still get a ton of attention, more attention than he's getting in Anaheim. Final question for you. In terms of some players who you love breaking down or studying, stop and stare. Like, I I love watching Bryce Harper swing and Kyle Schwarber. I'm obsessed with Mookie Betts. I always defend Trout from a historical perspective. Julio Rodriguez, a healthy set. Mullins, Vlad. Who are some guys in baseball that you've studied and broken down in the studio that you just say, 
wow, They're, the tools here, what they bring to the table, their swing, it's just something special. Oh, there's so many. Um, I mean, just doing recently Rafael Devers, the Boston Red Sox, and he's been a on a tear as of late. Yeah. He's just, I mean, yeah, it's cool because I'm around Little League. I'm a Little League coach, and so I'm around all these 9- and 10-year-olds right now, and I, they they love – the big thing right now is like, okay, who's this? Who's, you know, they all – you know, the, the guessing game of who's whose dance is this, and Rafael Devers is always top three every single time because of how u- unique it is, guys trying to recreate it. Kids, kids watch because they want different. They want something – unique so Rafi already brings that but then just the pureness of it, you know and I'm always I'm a left-handed hitter so the left-handed swing is the most beautiful swing I don't know what it is why I'm I think a lot you. of times because your right side do- there's so many right-handed players that hit left-handed if that makes sense so they're right side dominant so I do feel like there's something there with just being like bottom hand that bottom hand how you get to that down and in pitch better than anything that front side of what you can do that's different from what you'll see from a right-handed batter that's right side dominant. Um, so watching Rafi, especially this last week, has been a beautiful thing. Then you go to like a guy like Freddie Freeman. I, I love him because of the uniqueness. His ability to wait so late to make a decision helps him hit everything. But he hits off his back leg. And you'll see guys like Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton do that because they're beasts, right? Like they could just put, they can hit it off the top of their head. It doesn't matter. They're so strong, right? But if you set up like a tee, for example, and put it off of your back leg, I mean, first of all, when you set up a tee, every kid sets it up way out in front, right? They love to pull. They want to get up front. That's where you see everyone set it up. Try setting it up off your back leg and see how much fun you have. It's not. It's so hard and it doesn't feel good. It ties up your body, your hands, like your big, your, you know, your big boy, your big girl muscles don't get to get as used. Freddie Freeman's different. The way that he's built, he's kind of like a short torso, but long leg. I don't know what it is, but he can hit off his back leg better than anybody. So it's kind of a fun swing because of how late he can make decisions and then pepper the ball to left field. So I've always loved watching him. Um, I can go on and on about like so many, you know, Shohei's another lefty. I'll, I'll I'll go lefties like all day long because to me they're just so unique, so fun. And it's the the most beautiful swings in baseball. I'm with you. I have a have a bias for for lefties as well. There's there's nothing better. Jess, you are the best. Your story's incredible. Watching on TV is incredible. Always appreciate the time you give me and give the audience and continued success. I love that you're coaching your your kids as well. Enjoy every second of that. We appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Adam, your passion, it just it, it makes me so happy. Like, you have a joy for what you do, and so I'm grateful. And that's that's why you have so, such a following and so many people that listen to you, because it, we miss that in the game. We could talk analytics and all this stuff, but – you have a passion for what you do, so thank you. Oh, I appreciate that, and it is true. I love what I do, and I love baseball. And, and Jess, appreciate it. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. All right, Bob, this is a text I got from Jack Shine after we had everyone over for Father's Day. And it was really it was a great Father's Day. We went swimming all day. And then we had my parents over, my brother, his wife, and, and daughter over and Katie's parents over for a barbecue. And, you know, my brother's fantastic on the grill, and my dad is great on the grill. And I said, you know what, hell with it. I'm just, I'm going to grill, right? And, and Katie's dad can grill, obviously. He's not going to grill at, at our house, you know. And I said, I'm going to do the whole thing. And, and, Bob, I nailed it. 
I, I and, and my brother will, you know, tell you if, you know, he's not happy and, you know, started, you know, making fun. And pu- I, I, I barbecued my ass off on, on Father's Day, did a hell of a job. There's a lot of wiffle ball being played, Theo and Maya and my brother. It was it was tremendous. So this was the text I got Sunday night, the uh, Father's Day night from my dad, from Poppy. Happy Father's Day, Adam. Really, truly great day at your crib. Everything and everyone great. Thanks to you and Katie. Love you. Sleep well. I write back. Thanks so much, Dad. Appreciate it. Love you. Happy Father's Day. He writes back. Oh, by the way, Uh superb job on the grill. Wow. You got your moves from (laughs) Poppy. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Little skirt steak, turkey burgers, corn, portobello mushrooms. We had it all going on, Bob. Hamburgers, hot dogs. I mean, and and listen, there was a lot of pressure grilling for other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't that always the most nerve-wracking? I mean, it's one thing if you're going to – we had chicken. You can't undercook chicken. You can't overcook chicken. So, you know, that there's always a lot of pressure when it comes to barbecuing for other people. So as long as I have Poppy's approval, and it was a fantastic day, weather was great, that's all you need. Well, that's that's the thing, Adam, with the grill. There is a lot of pressure on you, right? I mean, it, that's an ultimate compliment, though, from Jack Shine, that you did a great job on the grill. Everybody has different taste. It's almost impossible to please everybody working the grill, Adam. You so can't. I'm glad. You can't. And also, the grill isn't just something that it's amazing. There's been a couple times where we were going to have barbecues or, or set up a grill, you know, to have people over to grill. My wife's like, why don't you just jump on the grill? You can't just jump on the grill cold. No, you can't just no, jump. No, no. You have to know your grill. That's you have right. to know how to barbecue. The last thing you want is to potentially giving people food poisoning or cooking things that nobody likes. So I, I think that was the most stressed I've ever been in my life in terms of when I had people over when it was a barbecue and I had just got a grill and I was supposed to be the one doing the grilling. I go, this is a horrible idea. You don't want to put me anywhere near a grill. So I'm proud of you. And that's why, you know what? Your dad should be proud of you, too. It is not easy to man the grill. So that's a great job out of you. You know what? This triggers a great thought for episode. And how about this is a tease, right? For episode 163, we're going to do a barbecued theme intro for the podcast right yes. before July 4th. How about we do Love that, it. Bob? That's a great idea, Adam. I'll be ready. I'll be sweating thinking about the pressure of the grill again. Rise and Shine is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please give a five-star rating, leave a review, subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. SiriusXM Podcasts. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The path to retirement is different for everyone, and as life changes, so do priorities. Fidelity can help you get where you want to go with a free personalized plan, goal tracking, 
and timely insights, you'll be set to take on retirement, whether you're saving for it or already living in it. Get started at fidelity.com slash take on. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC.